Hello and welcome to The Made Cast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of The Made's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. The Made is back and our doors are once again open to the public. Our new location is 921 Washington Street, downtown Oakland. Our new hours are 11 to 7 Fridays and Saturdays and 11 to 3 on Sundays. For the past few years, and still to this day, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures and interviews like the one you will hear in a few minutes. I'm Chin. I'm Red. And I'm Miles. Today we're talking about new remakes of older games and sort of, I don't know, a little of the history of remakes and all the things they bring uh, with their new facelifts of older games. Yes, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a more like in-depth talk about. Uh, there's been all this talk about like, I mean, PlayStation bringing re- remaking PS One, PS Two games, bringing them to uh, their new consoles to make them still playable because uh, a lot of the newer consoles are not backwards compatible with the original two consoles. Um, same thing with. Uh, like all the new ports coming to like Nintendo Switch. I mean, for a newer example, like Skyrim coming out on the Switch or The Witcher having a Switch port or just a, a variety of different older games that just keep getting remade uh, because there's still eyeballs on them. So, mm-hmm. uh, but before we get into all of that, we have a little bit of news to get into. So as we talked about in the last episode, Stray, uh, the new cat game where you are playing as a a stray cat in a post-apocalyptic world, um, is out. And there are mods to this game where you can essentially scan your own cat and make your own cat the playable character, which is a pretty <laughs> adorable way to do it. Um, yeah, my friend showed me that there is our that like his friend had his cat squid put into the game wearing the little backpack and whatever you have in the game it's a really unique mod that i think is uh gonna make the game even more enticing to certain people once yeah that's already game of the year already and it's gotta be game of the game of the year (laughs) uh so this one beats out elden ring you think huh what do you mean it's not even a competition (laughs) I mean, if Elden Ring had cats, no, or, or, no, mean, at least alive cats. <laughs> no, they have cats. They might have cats, but they don't have cats that will that that can scratch people's furniture, scratch people's carpet, and then push down all the stuff from the from the cliff or of anything, and then you can just mess something up. Very true. Very true. It just has enemies that'll mess you up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Along with other people's cats, I've seen uh, Garfield, Spyro the Dragon, uh, puppies, just all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Garfield, I feel like, would be a a good cat to see in those scenes where, like, the cat's, like, uh, struggling (laughs) for grip and or sliding down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fits uh, orange fat cat vibes pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Um. 
In another little piece of news, Call of Duty has lost 50 million players since last year, and it has fallen below 100 million concurrent players for the first time since 2019. Um, Jeez. It's a lot. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been playing... I haven't played Call of Duty in a very long time. Uh, especially not... I mean, I played Warzone when it first came out because I, I do like the Battle Royale... Uh, I do like the Battle Royale format of games, and I think Call of Duty did a pretty decent job with it. Uh, it's... <clears throat> I don't know. It. I also feel like Call of Duty is a bit... I don't know, oversaturated. There's so much Call of Duty everywhere that I kind of understand why it's... I don't know. They can only really evolve on that format so much while keeping that the theme that they have. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's like a ton of new things to go to unless they, I mean, they've already gone back to, they've already tackled world war one and world war two. And now they're going to future war or whatever other like future setting they can. I think it's just a very, I don't know. Uh, maybe they've done almost all they can with that format without kind of like reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Um, I think another thing of that is compared to when it's the golden age of Call of Duty, there are more and more FPS or or TPS nowadays on the market and with so many yeah. different features. So if you compare them, compared to the Call of Duty, which is uh, a generally more realistic generally more realistic uh, well, loosely yes. yeah loosely <laughs> um it's kind of losing some contracts on on what it what what is able to taking in more new players for the game mm-hmm. yeah i mean like like i've i know it's a totally different style of game but like i've been playing like rust a little bit with some of my friends recently and like playing rust is like it's technically a first-person shooter, but it has a survival aspect where you're, like, building bases and collecting materials to do all this. There's a lot of other things to do in between just point-and-shoot um, and fancy movements and 360 no-scopes. Uh, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to do. Um, it's also just, like, a larger market for a lot of other things going on. Um but enough about Call of Duty, because the biggest news I think we have today so far, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet had a uh, big announcements with their Pokemon Presents. Uh, we got a big look at their two new legendaries, uh, and in those two new legendaries, yeah. uh, they are both... Legendary vehicles. Yes, you can ride them. You can ride them, their bike, their ship... Their flights. <laughs> Living bikes. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Uh Coridon and Miraidon. Uh they look like Pokemon. Uh <laughs> which is a good thing. Uh but it's definitely a a little bit of a different it's definitely like a little bit of a different vibe. Uh it's also supposed to have three campaigns, three different stories that you can tackle in any order. So, like, there's the traditional one where you're joining your school and then fighting the eight 
gym leaders with your team of Pokemon. Uh, it's there's that one, and then there's like two other new ones which we didn't really get a huge look at, but it's going to add more to the story of the game and more exploration into the world, which I think is very exciting. This might be, I think this one, I thought about Pokemon Legends Arceus being my uh, foray back into Pokemon, but I feel like this is the one that I'm probably going to pick we'll up. We'll see. We always have to remember again. not to get overhyped for anything. No. If If there's a bigger emphasis on exploration and like having a more open map and, and, doing more with it i'm i'm i might be back into pokemon because yeah. like i played sword and shield and i was pretty disappointed in the just how linear that game was yeah um, it, i mean just it's... how just how limited all of the all of the environments all the routes were very much just walk down this path you're done um, yeah i'm i'm probably just old man yells at cloud but i think pokemon peaked in gen 3 <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, uh, I mean, that was, uh, I, I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, it, it peaked in Gen 3. I think it was kind of like a plateau with when it went to the Sinnoh region in Gen 4. Uh, that was like the, the next unique one because that was on like a newer handheld console. Well, e either Gen 3 or Gen anymore. 4, it's the best. It's always the argument in, in, in all error. Just, I mean, I mean, and probably the only reason for that is because we're the age we are and we grew up with that generation. I wonder like, how kids yeah. nowadays think, for, think about Pokemon when yeah. like it's say if like or maybe five or six years later how, how would they would this feel the same of the Pokemon when like what we feel about ours? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very different. I mean, but also talking about like Pokemon and then like the other generations there. I mean, yes, the story could be a little different, but They've also like pulled back from, I mean, gold and silver. When those came out, you can actually go back to Kanto region at the end of the game and pl fight those gym leaders as well. And mm -hmm. yes, there wasn't much of another story in those regions, but it was nice to be able to go back and see them. It was very like, yeah, it was very nice to go back into the previous game's region and explore it in the new one and have it just be a combined thing. I mean, with Legends Arceus, that was kind of like the next step of what we wanted to see almost 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just being able to actually like see Pokemon in the wild and not just have random encounters within grass. Uh, and then to use kind of like sneak up behind them to try and catch them accordingly. That was kind of more of what we were hoping for. That was what a lot of people were hoping Coliseum was going to be back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, but then Coliseum became just Coliseum. Another good, unique take on a Pokemon game, but still a, still a little different. Well, um, if you think about it, even Pokemon Snap comes back. So someday it must be coming back. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Pokemon Snap was recently added to the Switch's... Uh, N64 playable base if you have like the, the old one you mean yes the old one uh so if you want to play it on your switch you can go to the n64 mm -hmm. if you have that ability and you can download that and play the original snap which is pretty ah, cool. cool sounds cool um all right last little bit of news before we kind of get on to our remakes and remasters but this will be a good tie-in uh gta 6 uh has had some new announcements 
It is in production. They are working on it. Uh, it is going to feature the first playable female character in GTA history, which is nice. We will see how Rockstar tackles uh, a female playable character and character development. Um, it will also feature uh, an expanding map throughout its lifetime. So it'll have one region and then they will add like another explorable map region as the game goes on yeah multiple sounds uh, like sounds like something like expansion pass or dlcs oh yeah so like playing i mean so say you start in vice city and then you can expand to liberty city and or add san andreas later there's gonna be it's gonna be interesting um i'm not a fan of the online but that's how gta makes its money now mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll see like if this is gonna be like online mandatory which I really hope it's not. <laughs> it, yeah. But that is the most interesting, one of the most interesting things we'll see about this GTA game. Um, So now let's get into the bulk of the other things. Because we're talking about remakes and remasters uh, this episode, we have... We'll start off by talking about the remakes and remasters of the original GTA trilogy. Uh which were kind of a huge flop and weren't the best executed remakes that we've seen. Uh, I mean, just the graphical, they, they smoothed out a lot of things and kind of made it everything, but then what they used for the faces, like some of the faces looked even worse on the remake than they did in the original. <laughs> uh, a lot of just buggy operational issues with those games. I mean, and also with the polishing up of like the angular uh, graphics of the time, it kind of took away some like visual inside jokes about the graphics too. Uh, I think there was one where like there was like a hexagonal or octagonal like repair shop logo, and then they had like a play on words about like. Uh, I don't know, like so and so's nut stop or <laughs> whatever. But then they smoothed it out into like a round Weren't nut or like the... it was like a oh donuts. I think was like one of the play on words. But weren't it... the 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 um the trilogy remasters based off of like the phone versions of those games? I, I remember that being so. part of the problem. Like yes, I think that was uh part of the original problem. They just remastered. They took the base of the phone versions of those games, and then kind of ported them to Switch and like PS4 and all those. But because it was doing that, I think like the Switch version was like the only one it was kind of like feasible to for that graphical thing to look like. Mm -hmm. uh, if they were gonna use. Like they could have made it a different version for the newer consoles because those are beloved classic games. Those are some of my favorite games to play when I was on like playing on my PS2. Uh, they were just great games. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, played them when I was uh, maybe a little bit too young. I don't know, but <laughs> I it's still fun. It's still very fun, and they had like they had great story and everything else and it kind of just 
flopped with that. But mm-hmm. as remakes and remasters go, it is nice to see that they are like a lot of these other games are being ported and brought back to other newer formats. I mean, I just downloaded the original Final Fantasy VII uh, on my Switch, so I'm going to be dipping my toes into that. Are you going to finish it? Um, yes, this time I will. This when time I first started will. playing, I didn't realize... Yeah, when I first started playing, I didn't realize uh, that I never got out of Midgar, and I was only... <laughs> So when I played the remaster, I was like, wait, I thought this was the whole game. And it's like, nah, I missed about uh, no, you just three quarters You just foresee that it would be the whole game for the for the re- remake one in, in the trilogy of the, if the whole plan. You just foresee that and played only the, the Midgar part. That's, that's just you. Yes, I, I, was, I, was, a, I was a pioneer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In remasters, uh, but like one of the little, just the little like bonuses that this version has, which I think is a good thing to have in, is uh, you can play it at three times speed. Uh, so just having that available, I think, is really unique and very accessible to improve the like quality That's- of life. That's like, that's like an emulator thing, right? Like just being able to play the game faster than yes. That's what I like to do when I was playing like Pokemon mm-hmm. on emulator. I just you know when you need to hatch the eggs, I just turn up turn the speed at the at the fastest rate and then keep walking. But really, yeah. I think for these, in my opinion, grindy JRPGs, um, <laughs> the grind is the worst part of those games, and yeah. and being able to just play them at lightning speed. Like being able to level up super quickly just because the game is going faster is I think a great workaround. Like if you're not going to change yeah. the mechanics to make it more like time friendly, then at least let us make it make it time friendly, you know? Yeah. Like I don't know. It, I would say it, uh, like, rather than more time friendly, it's more up to the speed of nowadays standard because mm-hmm. the um the speed of the game you does not used to be like this fast in before than nowadays just yeah that was an it, interesting thing that i sorry we're going a little off topic here um it's okay we okay. always talk like that it's better if <laughs> that this was an interesting thing i was thinking about when i was playing oh shoot what was that game um the oh shoot the the Ghibli JRPG. Which one? Um, oh man, the first one. Um, oh my god, uh, Nino Kuni. Nino Kuni, the first yes, one. Yes, yes. Uh, which I think came out in two thousand seven or twelve, somewhere around there. Um, it was a grind. Um, it was not particularly like player friendly in that you had to to really 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 work to um to get up to a level that you could actually like take some of the the story fights like it was Mm -hmm. a lot of backtracking it was a lot of just sitting in bushes and 
doing the same thing over and over again to to level up your little heroes. Um, and I haven't played the second one yet, but from what I heard from a friend of mine who did play it, they they really solved that issue in the second game. Like they brought it up to modern standards of like, no, you can you can just play. Like you don't have to sit here and you know farm experience for five hours, which is what I did on Unicorn One. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, just there's a lot of like ease of access stuff. That yeah, I think can, the like, add into the, the JRPG nowadays already like. If it's the old JRPG, you always see a lot of this kind of situation happen is that you have to level up for quite a while and before you can actually play the game. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, like Pokemon, like like yes. I'm that kind of people who will just walk in the bush until I got got to the maximum levels and then mm-hmm. I can just crush uh, my next opponents. Right. <laughs> but um, for the games nowadays, like I was playing Xenoblade 3 a while ago, like I have been almost above the my level has almost been above the the enemy in the main story the whole time until i head to the last area of the game and i don't really have too much problem but even if i want to have some challenging actually it's 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 already challenging even if they're you're above their level but you can just they also allow you to just switch difficulties in there there are a lot of lot of improvement in JRPG in JRPG in terms of this kind of grindy stuff nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think and, they do realize it. Okay. Yeah. So talking about like all the, the JRPG remakes and making them <clears throat> more accessible to a further thing. I mean, like when they were released at the time in the older games, you would have one game or you can have like one or two games because that was generally what you could like what you or your parents could afford at the time. So it like the grind wasn't as big of an issue because you're going to be like, just that's the time that you have to play with your one game, Mm -hmm. which also, which was kind of like a benefit at the time because then, Oh, I have so much of this game. I can still play and really dive into, which is like the game that I play and the game that I have. But with like other remasters and remakes, it's it. I mean, Skyrim is kind of like the big one that just kept being remade and remade and remade. Uh, it's not even being remade though; it's just being released. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, it's not being. Remade, it's not being remastered. It's not being remade. It's just being ported. ported. Yeah, it's. But like th- for that example, I mean, there's like other games too. I mean, like the Final Fantasy VII that I downloaded on my Switch is essentially just an. A port, but like an emulator port. It's mm-hmm. not. Uh, it's. I think they maybe like smoothed up some animations, but there wasn't anything really new added to the game, other than, hey, you can skip through it three times the pace to you know, kind of speed up some of the slow bits. Mm-hmm. Um. But like, I mean. In another remaster that we're getting out soon, I mean, I know Chun's excited about this, but like Mega Man Battle Network is getting yes, remastered yes. and like coming out too. Yes, and they're not only remaking one or two, but they're remaking a lot of them, all, literally all of them. Like, it, yeah, God, it's it's also like that that Mega Man Alternate Universe two was uh, like much more storyline based rather than gameplay based for like, I mean, Mega Man 
Mega Man X was kind of like the big, the biggest Mega Man hit, and that kind of added a little bit more to the story, but it was a lot of gameplay-based stuff. Whereas the Battle Network had more of like a storyline tied in. Uh, but it's more of like an alternate universe Mega Man because it's not really the same character. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they use these remakes. Uh, if it, like it, All these different remakes have their place. Um, I mean, even speaking of like what we do at the museum with the preservation, it's are they kind of are some people kind of like gatekeeping what games can be remade, what games can't? Is it just are we only going to see like really kind of like money making IP being remade into newer games or are we going to be able to see any maybe like indie developers pick up an older game that they were fans of to kind of bring back into the foray of everything else. Yeah, also it's... another issue about the uh, Mega Man Battle Network remakes is about the limitation of the the console by the time compared to nowadays because Yes. Uh in case you don't know, there's actually online PvP fighting mode in Mega Man Battle Network. It's just that mm. it just that uh at a, at a, at a time Online, online battle for GBA is not really too much a thing because you you do have to have no. a, yeah you you do have to have some plugin on it in order yeah to... it was play it was player to player based at the time like you could battle a friend but you had to have the link cable you had to yeah you, you did have to have the link voice. link cable or there's a like an adapter stuff in it but it is a thing in some area it so what people actually most excited about it is uh, to to see how Capcom will deal with this function because not really there there aren't really that much people have access of the of that this mode before but now because it's on newer console and we have internet nowadays mm -hmm. will it be a big thing again or like I think that's that's also another another aspect to to observe about the the remaster and remake game, will that game be better if it's born in in different ages with a newer technology? I mean, like another big thing that these like remasters and remakes do is like they just have ports. Uh, sorry, not just ports, but like you can put. It's just like the size of the data for what you can store on a game. So you can with the Blu-ray discs now, as opposed to CD ours and everything else you can essentially just put like you don't have to have release one at a time or like even in a digital format you can just release a package of multiple so it'll be like battle network one through three one through five even because mm -hmm. of gba's storage capacity at the time if they're just porting it they can kind of just cram all of that into one disc and then have it for the future but is like it's also important to kind of like for preservation side of things, it's important to have the original to kind of see where you came from. Uh, it's, it's important to have the physical playable thing to see what the limitations were at the time to actually experience them. Because if you're playing it on a new console, you're not going to have necessarily a huge frame of reference as to what used to happen. Um, but it, that's, 
like that'll we'll, we'll see how that comes into the future but that's what we're that's what we at the made also try to do is just preserve the original versions of the games yes ports are nice but like from a historical standpoint some games aren't going to be remade some games are going to be remade and continually so and like just upgrading them because if gaming companies can make money off of them then yes they're going to continue to do that and have that as a source of income but having the original games of like some of these older games it's important to kind of keep them alive and do that ports are ports and remasters are one way to do that and keep the story and the gameplay involved but if you want to dig into like what the limitations were and to see how the games were built for the consoles at the time there's unique workarounds that you kind of want to see uh that were console specific to these games so it's it's nice to see that they're still being brought up but like the historical context of like what big steps that they did for the con like for the console that they were on at the time is pretty important mm -hmm. well as much as uh i think we can continue to be talking about the remakes and remasters we may touch on this again in a little bit i think that's a but all the time we have for that right now. But let's talk a little bit about what you've all been playing at the moment. Oh, I have been playing way too many games just because there are way too many games got released in these days. And mm -hmm. and there will still be new games coming. For example, like Splatoon 3 will be coming on September. and Splatoon 3 is coming out. Yeah. Uh, but before that, I have Scarlet been playing Monster Hunter Sunbreak, Xenoblade 3. I just finished that a while ago. How was Xenoblade 3? It's awesome. Is it the, like, I've heard it was kind of like a combination of like, <clears throat> I think it was like the, the gameplay from 2 and like the storyline from 1. Yes, like it, kind of. Okay. Uh, and the map is bigger than 2, which is a little bit too big. Literally, the Anywhere you see, you can literally go there. That's that's pretty exciting. It's a very adventure and traveling feeling game. Uh, if you just take a look at the maps and the battle system, it's get it's getting even more complex. But um, it's a good thing because you don't. I, what I what I like about the stuff about Cineblade's battle system is they actually teach you very good. So you it's it's a it's a step by step thing. So they don't give all you all the stuff to you until like the it's almost a late un, not until the late game you will see the whole battle system got unlocked for you. Just because it, awesome. there are too many elements on it, so so there's a lot of strategy depth in in the battle and a story nice. i have nothing to say it's good <laughs> it's good. good for people who have never played cineblade they can totally enjoy it but if you play cineblade one and two or just one or two you'll be excited because you awesome i'm not gonna spoil it <laughs> that's it great Alrighty. go play yourself <laughs> mm -hmm. Alrighty. what about you miles what have you been playing I have been uh, achievement run hunting in um, Dishonored 2. Ooh. I decided to finally 100% um, that game. And I've done 2.8. Shoot, actually, how many? I've done one run 
I did one complete run where I just killed everyone, did high chaos, didn't care about getting spotted. Uh, that was my sort of role-playing run where I role-played as the, uh, the, the young queen of the Empire who's been deposed and mm. hasn't really learned to be a good person um, because, I don't know, I guess, like, first five minutes of Dishonored 2 spoilers, um, you get to pick between playing Corvo, the assassin from the first game, and his daughter, Emily, who is the uh, empress of the kingdom that gets conquered. Um, so for my first run of that game, I played Corvo, um, and I sort of role-played that as like, a, no, he's he's wised up, he's not bloodthirsty, He's he doesn't want to kill people, he's just pissed off and is going to do things the right way. Uh, so that was my low-chaos run. Then I did Emily as a high chaos run because I was like, screw it. I want to have fun and see what happens. Um, and then for my third run, which I'm doing currently, I'm back to Corvo, but this time uh, I'm doing it with no magic powers. I'm never being spotted. I'm killing no one. And that is like the triple threat. Like this is a really hard run um, mm. because there are non-lethal options for all 10, nine or 10 uh, missions but boy, are they harder than just running up and killing the guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's a it's a lot of fun. Like Dishonored is Dishonored is my favorite like franchise outside of you know Mario and Pokemon and Zelda. Yeah. So like, I I've spent a lot of hours in this game and I've learned how to do things stealthily. Like it is not easy, but it's a lot of fun when you get it right. Yeah. It, just. Games that leave that breadth open for different styles of gameplay are always mm-hmm. very enjoyable and just tantalizing. They make you explore and try new things rather than locking you into one stream of play. It's that's always super fun. Um, yeah, I've been playing. I mean, I haven't been playing much uh, within the middle of the room, but I was doing Hyperlight Drifter for a while. Uh, trying to get all the available achievements I can in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like, that. that is such a masterful game. Uh, and for a game with no text, it has a very deep story and it's really well done. The music is fantastic and ethereal and just keeps you locked in. It's It's a great game. And I'm also going to dip my toes into Final Fantasy VII and finally finish that story too. So that's going to be <laughs> pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all right, I think that is about all the time we have for you today. We want to thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, please shoot us an email at infothemade.org. We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep the maid afloat. Patreons do not get to listen to this podcast one week before its release on major streaming services, and we continue that with future episodes every week. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Christoph Gord and Ezra Herdosia. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, I'm Red. I'm Chin. And I'm Miles. Thanks, we'll see you next week.